Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And uh, we got uh, people listening all up and down the whole East Coast, all the way from Florida, mm-hmm. all the way to Northern Europe, actually, for WABC. And uh, uh, I understand right now and we have... Um, there's so many things happening at the uh, police department. Correct. And right now we have the New York City Police uh, Commissioner, Keyshawn Sewell. Welcome back to Cats at Night, ma'am. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Uh, Keyshawn, it was good to see you at lunch today. And uh, there's so many things happening at the police department and uh, New Yorkers and uh, want to know what the heck is going on. Uh, John, I have to tell you, first of all, the the FLEF is fantastic. The FLEF was a wonderful event. Uh, thank you so much. I'm glad I was invited to that. i sorry I missed you to talk to you for a, le- a longer period of time. But, yes, a lot is going on in the city, but uh, our efforts to reduce crime are taking hold. I have to tell you, we started out at about 45% increase year over year when we began. We are now at about 26%. But that is not happenstance. We've got laid out a plan in the beginning of the year. We executed that plan, and we are now seeing those results. We know we have much more to do. We don't take that for granted. Next week, we're actually going to be releasing our November crime numbers. We have made demonstrable progress. Uh, we're moving in the right direction. Uh, understood. Now, uh, you, uh, you, uh, some chiefs uh, had early retirement. Can you tell us about the people that had the early retirement and the people that uh, that have replaced them? So the members who left were dedicated public safety executives. They serve this city well, and I wish them the best in their retirement. We have a new slate that's coming in. We have a new chief of department, Jeffrey Madry. He's over 31 years of experience in the NYPD. Uh, we have new chiefs of intelligence and counterterrorism, uh, well-known in that position before as the chief of intelligence, Tom Galati. Across the board, we have a new chief of housing, special operations. Uh, we have a nice slate, a new chief of patrol as well. And who's the new chief of patrol? Chief John Shell. Gotcha. And uh, are there any more moves uh, being considered uh, before December 31 or January? So we, well, we have a new chief of internal affairs, uh, Miguel Iglesias, a new chief of transit, Mike Kemper as well. So uh, as we move forward, one of the things that makes this department so extraordinary is that we remain in a state of evaluation and innovation. Uh, We formed an innovation steering committee during this year to look at what we do well and what we can do better. So we always endeavor to find the most talented people. We have to find the finest people to serve this city, and I will continue to do that. Well, we agree, and uh, we've had that conversation uh, before the the last time we talked, we discussed the three thousand repeat violent criminals, and I I, I owe you a lot of uh, uh, nickels in, uh, because I've used that statement to so many people that who deserves to be safe? Eight and a half million New Yorkers that want to walk around New York and be safe, or the three thousand violent repeat violent criminals that. And it doesn't make any sense at all. Do you think we're making any progress in Albany? Well, we will always keep our focus on victims. And I have said from the beginning of the year that judges have to be able to determine whether a person is a public safety risk when they are able to determine whether to remand, set bail, or release. I will keep saying that. We know what we see every single day, and we'll keep fighting for those changes. Uh, we have uh, former Deputy Mayor uh, Rudy Washington in the studio with us. Rudy, you had a question? Yeah, Commissioner, uh, tell us about your plan um, on the homeless and, and addressing that issue, especially in the subways. 
So I want to make it clear that uh, the NYPD has been on board with the mayor's plan from the very beginning. We were at the table. We were talking about what we can bring to the table, what we can do with our other agencies in the city. This is not just a law enforcement-focused initiative. It is a holistic approach to be able to get people the services that they need. The mayor's initiative has expanded the toolbox of the NYPD, but let's be clear. We do this already. This just gives us the opportunity to be able to go beyond what is obvious and in some cases really assist those who are in need. We're going into the colder months. We have to be able to get people help. Commissioner, this is Craig Eaton. Uh, I just want to say you're doing a great job, and, and we're looking forward to the new term with the Assembly and the Senate coming up in January because we're going to really be trying to hit them hard on behalf of all New York City residents to change what they've done with all these laws. But we heard we heard all over the place when the mayor came out with his new initiative that he did it without it without giving the NYPD any notice of that. I can't see how that that would have happened. That and is not true in any way. That, that's we what were I, at the table from the very beginning. Yeah, I just wanted to clear that up because all the news stations had that they did it without even giving the NYPD an idea of what was going on. Uh, no. Can Commissioner Sewell, um, yes. what do you have to say to people that say, you know what, they if they want to stay on the streets, they have a right. But then you have Mayor Adams who says it's not compassionate to allow these people that can't even take care of themselves, that we need to help them. I mean, I, I, that's what that's what I feel. I, I think we need to help these people to allow them to slowly decompose, slowly commit suicide. That That's not who we are as New Yorkers. I couldn't agree more. We talk about this shared responsibility for public safety. We have to treat people humanely and get them the assistance that they need. We can't just walk by them if they are in a state of distress. We have to be able to help them. Well, we agree 100%. Um, We know you're on a time schedule. Anything else you want to tell New Yorkers? I do. I have to say uh, the NYPD is out there every single day working with our residents, businesses, and communities to keep the city safe. The holiday lights are already up. The city is absolutely sparkling. Come on out. Enjoy the shopping. Enjoy what New York City has to offer. The NYPD is going to be out there. Just don't hesitate to say hello. Well, thank you, Commissioner, and thank you for everything you do for our city and and continue to fight uh, for what uh, we believe in, safe cities. And thank you, and uh, uh, have a great weekend. Thank you once again. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. Uh, that was a, you know. I love her. You know, that I, was a good, look, she's out there working hard, and uh, that's the important thing. And, and uh, you know, we never opened up the show because she was on, and we knew she was on a time schedule. But in the studio today, uh, we have former Deputy Mayor uh, uh, Rudy Washington, and he says he may be related to George Washington, but we don't know. <laughs> it's a Washington of a different color. And, <laughs> and we have uh, GOP, former GOP chairman of Brooklyn, uh, Craig Eaton. And we have a special guest today in the studio. We have uh, 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 Ernie Priot, former attorney general of the state of Pennsylvania. And we have Alexandra Priot, who is a GOP strategist. Uh, welcome all, and uh, Lydia Serrani, my and you guys are related, sidekick. right? Yeah, yeah, that's my dad. <laughs> Just to say one thing, um, I know everyone will say this, but happy birthday, Margot. We love Margot. Yes, She's it's my best. wife's birthday today. I knew you were going to say that, but I wanted kudos to say it first because literally she's an inspiration to me, and I just yeah. been thinking about her all day. But she's like, you are the mayor and she's the first lady. No offense to the current mayor, Absolutely. but that's the truth, the generosity of the two of you. Well, look, we, we all, look, we all love New York and, uh, what we've talked to, just talked to the commissioner about and what we talk about in this studio is 
we worry more about the eight and a half million New Yorkers that want to walk around, go to restaurants at night, go to theater at night, and, and, and be able to walk to the grocery store and feel safe than the 3,000 repeat violent criminals. Is that the violent criminals that stole a loaf of bread because they were hungry? Mm-hmm. You can have bail reform for those people. We don't care. Mm-hmm. But violent criminals? Right. I mean, where, where, where is the their minds in Albany? I mean, this is wrong. Uh, you know, Rudy, you agree, I'm sure. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And um, uh, my wife got to hold me back a lot of times because I, I want to lead the charge. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand um, the the speaker Nobody of the assembly. Nobody understands it. I don't, I don't how does he sleep at night when kids those, get shot? Yeah, you speaker know? Hastie, uh, you know, says that. You know, you know, John, it's something we talk about all the time. It's it's the it's the perception in Albany. They're all afraid that if they don't go far left, Ocasio is going to run someone against them. So they pander to the left. They don't want to shake anybody up. They don't want primaries. Our city city is is going. It's look at the streets. Look at the streets. There's homeless. Our city is at stake. Uh, Let me ask. uh, In in Pennsylvania, is it that bad? uh, uh, Former AG. Ernie, Priya. Thank, thank you very much for having me on, John. It's great to be here. I've been on your program, but it's always been from afar. I've been called in. But now I'm here in the studio with you, and it, uh, um, happy holidays to everybody. Uh, yeah, the problem in Pennsylvania isn't as acute as it is here in New York City, and, it's, and New York City isn't as bad as San Francisco. But the fact of the matter is we have a problem with people. A lot of them are veterans. I'm a veteran. I'm a vet, Vietnam veteran. And uh, I think that a lot of the homeless out there are veterans. Uh, and I think that we ought to be doing more for them, either from the federal government or the state government side, uh, to give them the help that they need. I don't know where um, where this, uh, the city stands on this or the state stands on it, but uh, in Pennsylvania, we're reaching out. Well, we're let me reaching tell you, out to the veterans. New York State is the only state after uh, over 50 states in the nation. New York State is the only one that doesn't allow its own judges to make decisions. Mm. So that's the problem. That's the problem. You know, you have murderers walking around the street, and the people in Albany and John, don't, not, don't want to do anything John, about it's it. It's not just New York City. Every major city in the state. Yeah. Look at Philadelphia. New York State. Right here. Yeah. Their entire state, Syracuse, Rochester, Buffalo, all of them, all well, their crime you know, numbers are exploding. Maybe, somebody, maybe the federal government, if we, if we have somebody in the federal government with, with courage, they would indict some of these people for, for having these murders committed. Uh, I understand we have a congressman on. That's correct. We have a uh, former congressman, Tony Coelho from California. He served in the U.S. House of Representatives. He was the primary sponsor of the, of the Americans with Disabilities Act. He's a former chairman and current member of the board of directors of the Epilepsy Foundation. I was reading up about you, former congressman. You yourself suffered from or suffer from epilepsy. At one point, you wanted to become a priest and then you went into politics. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, Congressman, you requested to come on today. Uh, tell us what you have on your mind. Well, somebody requested me to be on today, John. All um, right, so we got we we we, we. <laughs> so, so I'm here. So thank thank you for that? being on. What would you like to talk about? Well, basically, what is about an op-ed that Martin Frost and I did regarding uh, energy for the U.S. and the need for us to make sure that we are producing oil and gas so that um, we can continue to help out uh, some of our European partners and so forth as a result of what's going on with OPEC and what the Russians are are doing and so forth. And 
Uh, we're not we're not interested, of course, in backing off of alternative uh, sources of energy because of the future. But in the meantime, we need to be uh, still producing our oil and gas uh, for the U.S. so we don't get into a situation like a lot of places in Europe right now, Germany and and England looks like it may end up with a, a real problem. Uh, so that's what the um, op-ed was all about. And and uh, I was told that uh, you folks wanted to chat about that, and I'm willing to. Well, uh, yeah, there's so many things happening in Washington. I lose track of what's going on sometimes. And the fact that uh, every time oil in the last three months has gone close to 75, 76, where we we're relaxed the price of gasoline, the Saudis stand up and say, well, we're going to cut, we're going to cut uh, production. Well, why are we going to cut production so they can get it back up to a hundred? Well, what say you? Well, the Saudis are not our friends, as you well know, John. Um, and uh, they probably are uh, playing games with the Russians uh, because the, higher the, the higher the price of oil, the more that the Russians make. And, and in regards to their current con- conflict in Ukraine, Ukraine, they need to have the money. So, you know, we, of course, sense that that's what's going on here. And uh, so that's why we need to be doing it. Well, you know, I'm going to take a contrarian point of view, John, uh, that I knew you probably take issue with. I, I think a lot of what's happening to us is because of bad foreign policy. Uh, the way we use sanctions, we don't think things through. Uh, and, you know, uh, somebody need to explain to me what part of death to America, death to Israel every Friday after, after, uh, their service, our presidents don't understand. Um, I didn't understand it when it was President Obama and, and, and Vice President Biden. And now, you know, President Trump got us out of that. And, and Biden's fighting very hard to get us back in. So the Saudis will not be happy with us. We don't think in terms of collateral damage. You push in to make a hedge money out of Iran. Uh, what do you think the Saudis are going to do? They're obviously going to work against us. And then when you look at the, way we walked away from all our allies in Afghanistan and left, you know, Brits and everybody uh, stranded, uh, we lost a lot of faith on the world on the world marketplace. And now people are beginning to scratch their heads. Are they choosing the right side, China or America? We've shown well, weakness. China, China is looking to uh, Soros is pushing, pushing China to create their own organization. BRICS. Uh, and what's it called? It's called BRICS. No, no. Besides that, it's called uh, uh, what's the, what was it called? It's like a, a, an organization. I forget it. You yeah, know, the, 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 the ASEAN nations. The what? The ASEAN nations. You mean the Asian nations? Well, it, it's, no, it's no, Brazil. It's, it's, it's yeah. Brazil, it's India, it's China, it's yeah. Russia, it's Iran. <laughs> it's all of our enemies, basically, along with some of our allies that are coming together. You know, we kicked Russia off the SWIFT system. Right. Uh, and everybody's looking right. at that now wondering, you know, will, will I be treated well, the same way? Mr. Washington, not to go back, it's Alexander, not to go back full circle, but John is one, is a big employer in the state of Pennsylvania. My dad can talk about the energy independence that we have. We have enough energy that we know of right now in the state of Pennsylvania to power well, the whole country President for 100 Biden, years. President Biden 
has uh, signed off on on Chevron uh, buying the oil from yes. Venezuela, processing it, and also they signed. President Biden has signed off on building a terminal in the Gulf Coast for export, export. not to help the American people. Two million bags. to export it now. Why why are we buying from Venezuela where we can buy from from Texas or or Pennsylvania? And it's cleaner. It's cleaner here it's in America. Cleaner. Venezuela has the the, the dirtiest, dirtiest oil. oil around. Uh, Congressman, do you have an answer? <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys have all the answers. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, first off, it's Friday afternoon. We, we want to have some fun and tell the truth. The topic is dear to us. What? We're not anticipating that uh, we're going to get the oil out of Venezuela. That, as you all know, John, you you have experience in this. That isn't going to be produced for a long time because of their particular problems and so on. That isn't what that's about. That's about foreign policy and a lot of other things. But but the point is, is that we in the United States need to be uh, producing our oil and gas for us, period. Um, and... Uh, the reason I'm involved with the Council on Secure America that I helped set up many years ago uh, between the U.S. and Israel, and I'm still very active uh, with that group. And basically, we're focused on how do we influence uh, making sure that the oil and gas is produced here, understanding that alternative energy is probably what we need in the future, but we shouldn't be cutting off oil and gas uh, uh, at this point until we have uh, basically uh, the supplies that we need and we can well, develop. Alternative, alternative energy, energy is great. Point. Congressman, alternative energy is great, but yeah. there's not enough. We can't use enough, uh, you know. Um, uh, were you talking about electricity or what? You can't make enough electricity. You can't make enough with green energy. With to green power. energy, we, we have to power our country. We, we don't have transition. We have to transition first. What the I Europeans are doing way, now, they said, we need anybody, nuclear power. Yeah. Kyle, not, not, anybody, not battery power. Nuclear power. That right now. I don't think anybody's arguing that right now. We know that we can't produce that at this point. But the question is, is can we, should, should we be producing more oil and gas and permitting that to be produced uh, at this time, why we are pursuing alternative uh, energies in the future. Uh, yeah. That's, I think, what it is. So to say that we can't do it right now is understandable. I don't think any argument there. Yeah, but they're forcing General Motors to shut down and, and make electric cars. And not in Michigan. They're not forcing General Motors to do anything, John. You know better than that. Uh, General Motors is trying to produce electric cars because of what they see the future, that the electric cars... My, are my, my opinion, want, I'm shorting General Motors stock. That's what's going on there. Yeah, Congressman, let's talk, we're talking Craig about electric Eaton. cars. Look what happened in L.A. L.A. came out and said every car has to be an electric car by 2035. And then two days later... They had a massive blackout, and they said they didn't have enough Don't electric for the, for the current grid. And the grid, people not didn't to have charge enough electric. Yeah, they said, way, "Don't charge the, anything. Way, Craig, Shut your air conditioners Craig, off." How are they going to deal with this? I, I go back and forth <laughs> often to Pennsylvania, and on a trip to Philadelphia, yeah. I had an Uber driver. It was this a crazy schedule? And I so I tried to book an Uber driver to drive yeah. me from Philadelphia to New York because of the time arbitrage was faster than taking the train. Yeah. Uh, 
The Uber driver says, I can't take you because my car is an Uber. It's not going to, it's not going to last long enough. Get the next driver. It's an Uber driver with an electric car. Same thing. I hope I can make it. I mean, we, we have to be realistic about people and transitioning life. Kyle Bass, who's a brilliant friend of mine, big oil guy from Texas talks about this. You know, we have, there are working people that depend upon decisions that are being made at a high level. Mm -hmm of how they live their lives right. and, and just simultaneously just in one minute saying everything for green energy, you, you're killing people's livelihood. We John have to go talking, step by John step. John has been talking for months, probably six months or more about oil and what needs to be done. And, and what he came up with is brilliant and no one listens. And look where we are in this country, right? Now. Well, we have to have the infrastructure in place first. Yeah. You can't well, say. I just got a text from Dr. Michalos and he says the grid can't handle it. Right. Yeah, no, That's no. what I'm saying. The, and, uh, we don't have the charging, and, and, enough charging stations. And, and, and you know what they're doing? Grid. In Washington, uh, they, they're making everybody get rid of their gas stove to make electric stoves. Now, if, if the grid goes out, you don't have food, you won't have a car, and you don't have uh, lights. And, and forget about it. No air conditioning. I know. And thank God one time I lost power, but I still had heat. Because we have natural gas, you know, and so you have to think about these things. Congressman, what say you? <laughs> Not much. Are you having, <laughs> Congressman, are you having all fun? You, are you having fun? I wish you were in This conversation is all of you have the answers. Uh, and so uh, I think I go back to my point that nobody argues that we don't have that capacity now. That's not the argument. The argument is that we need to uh, keep producing oil and gas and uh, pursue alternative sources of energy, but that's not for today. That's not for tomorrow. That's something that we have to do, but the focus has to be on oil and gas. And that's what we're all about is making sure that we don't move away from oil and gas for prematurely. Uh, but you, you folks are acting as if that's going to be done today or tomorrow. It's not going to be, and it shouldn't be. But the focus with the administration is we need to to produce more oil and gas and don't shut it off. That's the fight. That's what Concept for Secure America is all about. And so I don't necessarily agree with some of the things that you're saying, John. I mean, you and I go back a few years. You may not remember, but when I was the chairman of the Democratic House Campaign Committee, you were supportive. And uh, But I, you know, look, at, I don't have any trouble about some of the concerns that you all have. I recognize that what we need to be doing is still pursuing alternative energy, but you don't shut off what we have now when alternative energy isn't capable of providing what the country needs. That's right. really what it's I all about. No we're we're, 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 all, saying, we're all saying the same thing. Yeah. But I'll tell yeah. you what my thoughts are. Wind and solar will never, ever, ever act as a alternative energy to supply our country. That that, that that that's for people that tiptoe through the tulips. Now the the real thing is, all of a sudden, Germany and France have agreed that nuclear is a green energy. So our country is capable of having small nuclear uh, devices to type that that power uh, our aircraft carriers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And our country go should go nuclear. And that's to be an alternative to fossil fuels. But to, to, to think that solar and, and uh, uh, wind, wind is going to be an alternative, I think it's, it's a joke. 
You know, alternative energy is probably not even on the scene yet. It's going to be 25 to 50 years before we really transition. And right now, a lot of those minerals are in China. And exactly. we know what, what, what China is. No, they were in Afghanistan. Oh, and, we, oh. and, and, and we gave them Afghanistan. With the batteries, right. With all, with all our tanks and everything else, right? <laughs> no, no, it's only, only $85 base. Equipment. But we didn't leave the keys. We left all the equipment, but we didn't leave the Just keys. Just That was base. a saving grace. <laughs> Congressman Quelo, I know we're running out of time. Anything else you want to say? No, we got three minutes. Oh, okay. Did we got want, three minutes. Did you want to say a little bit about the breaking news, John, about Elon Musk? Elon Musk says he's going to have some breaking news uh, that uh, all the things that Twitter was hiding. Right, they they buried the, the Hunter uh, Biden laptop and Hunter story, Bi- and it was uh, and and collusion with the media, mainstream that, media. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be interesting, but that's not going to be till after six o'clock. Right, he initially said five o'clock, but then he just tweeted moments ago. We're double checking some facts, so probably start live tweeting in about forty minutes. So. No, he says after six o'clock. Oh, okay. okay. I was just looking. All right, Congressman. Yeah, we got two minutes left. What you, what, what are we going to tell the people? Well, first off, I first of all, really we love, we love you. We love you. And we Mark, think you have common sense. Folks do, that's your that's your situation. I just don't have a lot of confidence in him. He, uh, but anyway, we'll see what he says and see if there's any merit to it. But I'm not a big uh, big fan or whatever of Musk. Well, the but only anyway, person we're a fan the of the, the only people we're a fan of people Musk. tell the truth is how do we keep uh, keep our oil and gas producing so that. Uh, we don't have to go through what uh, Germany and and England are probably going to go through, and that's the focus. That's what I'm focused on, and not all these other things that um, may happen 20 years from now or whatever. Well, thank you, Congressman, uh, and uh, God bless you, and God bless America, and and we hope we can all work together to have a better America. Thank you so much. Amen. I agree. Thank you. And uh, we're going to take a break, and let's go to Lou Dobbs and uh, find out how the financial markets, and we'll be back after the break. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show in studio with us. We have... Craig Eaton, Rudy Washington, Ernie Priot, John Katzmatidis, and myself. So I'm looking at this headline, John, and it's just kind of, I, I, are they listening to us? Europe's power prices rise amid a falling wind speed. So we could. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you were talking about, John. It's a joke. It is. They're, they're trying to convince the people that we that your air conditioning is going to work because of, of solar energy and wind energy? Well, you can have everybody me, on the little bicycles. You can have people like the Dutch, you know, with the bicycles and then the windmills. You can get, we need get a lot of extension cords for the Uber drivers yes. so they can drive without electric. We need, like, extension cords, like hundreds of thousands of feet. I mean, but this is a joke. <laughs> it is a joke, John. But, but they, they're convincing General Motors... The CEO of General Motors says we're going to start spending billions and billions to ramp up. Now, what kind of? I mean, I don't call people names, but I think that's the dumbest thing. And the board of General Motors is approving this. Somebody better check out who's on his board. You know what do you say, Ernie? Well, the the problem with the with uh, all of this is to think that is the infrastructure hasn't been set up yet uh, for for um, battery powered cars, EVs. Uh, we don't have the transmission lines. We don't have the charging stations. We don't have the lithium and the other uh, 
uh, minerals that are needed uh, for the metals and minerals that are needed for these uh, vehicles. Uh, to, so we're going to switch into something that, when we're not prepared. Uh, you know, I'm an old Marine. And one of the things you have to do when you go into battle is you get to be prepared. You have to know what you're going to do, what's your objective. And you can't do it if yeah, you don't, don't have don't the Don't go into uh, battle with only six bullets. Rudy Washington? Yeah, well, you know, I was just yeah, talking to the mic. I'm not hearing yeah. you. I was just going to joke with Ernie and say, well, Ernie, you mean to say they can't run a General Motors plant with windmills? The whole you plant? Well, you can't do that. <laughs> it sucks up the power. It's like uh, it's like the Bitcoin mining. It sucks up all the power in the, in the whole area. I understand area. now Miranda Devine is calling in, and she's going to be doing a report later on. On uh, on, on this whole uh, Twitter, Hunter Biden story, you were the on the forefront of it. You said it was real. You had the proof. Miranda Devine, what do you think about Elon Musk? Some people are doubting he doesn't have the proof. What do you think? Hi, Lydia. Hi, John. Look, he, he does have the proof. I mean, he has uh, the evidence of the behind-the-scenes machinations that Twitter went through, their meetings with the FBI, what exactly the FBI told them. Did the FBI warn them specifically about Hunter Biden material coming in a dump that they uh, were lying about and saying was Russian disinformation? Uh, we know a lot of this story but it would be great to get from Elon Musk exactly what Twitter knows. He's promised he's going to do that. We're supposed to come out at 5 o'clock, so 35 minutes ago. He just came out uh, about 10 or 13 minutes ago to say we're double-checking some facts, so probably we'll start live tweeting in about 40 minutes. So I don't know whether that means at 5.40 or a little later, but, uh, I mean... It's the the whole topic is trending around the world, including a friend of mine told me in Australia. So there are a lot of people waiting to hear this story because it's one of the greatest scandals in uh, you know journalistic history. That this story, important story that the New York Post published uh, on October 14 of 2020, three weeks before the presidential election, which uh, had some detrimental information about one of the two candidates, Joe Biden, with material emails we got off uh, the Hunter Biden laptop. And uh, it was material that showed that Joe Biden had met with Hunter Biden's Ukrainian paymaster in Washington, D.C. And so that story was denied by the Biden campaign. The story was suppressed and censored by big tech, by Facebook and Twitter. We now know from FBI whistleblowers that the FBI intervened and warned Facebook and Twitter and Google before our story came out to look out for a dump of Russian disinformation that looked very suspiciously like what our story looked like in the end. So very nefarious. And if Elon Musk does the right thing, he will tell the world exactly what went into that censorship. Well, uh, let me just say one more thing, Rudy, and I'm going to go to you. Uh, it, th- this means they have access to the computers at, uh, at uh, Twitter. Yeah. And they know every tweet that went out from from whoever, from Elon Musk, from, from uh, the New York Times, from the Washington Post, uh, from whoever, and, and what discussion was taking place, right? Well, John, let me well, just say even something. more than that, yeah. they'll have private, uh, possibly Slack uh, communications, at least private communications among the Twitter top employees, among their uh, moderation, yes. their security people, talking about meeting with the FBI and what the FBI told them. What, what exactly were they talking about the morning that our story went live? Who were they discussing it with? 
was there collusion with the Biden campaign? So, now, a tantalising piece of information about an hour ago that Elon Musk tweeted was uh, in reply to someone saying, uh, asking him about the mainstream media's uh, say he's going to hate you for this. Uh, Elon Musk tweeted, oh, you mean the same mainstream media that all colluded to suppress the story, that mainstream media? So, uh, Mr. Vine, you you believe that th- this is going to go beyond the Joe Rogan interview with Zuckerberg? Oh, yes. yes, it should. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg has been very strategic about the information he's let out. He knew that Facebook uh, was being compelled to hand over information uh, to the lawyers, uh, including the Solicitor General, Attorney General of Missouri, who are suing the Biden administration for uh, their violation of what they, uh, they allege is violation of the First Amendment in coercing social media companies to suppress information and dissent that uh, the Biden administration doesn't like. And that included, um, they're alleging, some of the Hunter Biden, or the Hunter Biden story from the New York Post that was immediately censored and suppressed by Facebook and Twitter the morning it was published. So Elon Musk will have a lot of that behind-the-scenes information. Uh, and, and let's hope that he, um, he said that this, he's called it the Twitter file, and he says that he's going to release it all. Former Attorney General Priot of Pennsylvania, what, has, what say you? Mr. Vine, uh, I, I think I know what's going on. It was delayed because the lawyers are involved. Uh, they're all looking at this. The lawyers are involved because there's names going to be made public. There's accusations that are going to be made that uh, may be unfounded or, and, and, or not provable or uh, seemingly innocent. Right. And so what you have to have right now is a scramble of lawyers on lots of different people, lots of different organizations talking to Musk to say, don't say this, leave that out, or you can say say it this way. That's what's going on right now, folks. Or yeah. is he being threatened? Sure. Yes, he is being. Yes. He is being. There's no question right now he's in. He's under tremendous pressure to suppress yes. the story or parts of it. Would this be considered election interference? You had half of Americans that did that. They had no idea, more than half, right, that didn't even know about this Hunter Biden story. And those people that did vote for President Biden said they wouldn't have had they known about it. But, so, I mean, this was like a, this is election interference. I agree with Elon Musk when he tweeted that the other day. You know, Lydia, it's not just election interference. You're cover up of a crime. OK, somebody has found out that there's a crime and didn't report it. And it's a continued cover up. And, and, and Joe Biden needs to continue the cover up because yeah. if not, then he goes down as well, just like Hunter. And 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 it's uh, it's also um, a campaign reporting violation by the Biden administration, wow. the Biden campaign, because if they got help from somebody and it wasn't recorded as a contribution, now you have a now you have a uh, a, a crime committed for. Um, uh, campaign law violation. We just gave you some juicy stuff for your uh, article tonight, Miranda Devine. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I think somebody uh, already sued um, the Biden administration in some, there was some sort of legal action anyway about uh, not declaring in-kind contributions over the suppression of our story. And I think that would be a rich vein to absolutely. continue with. Absolutely. Yeah. Miranda Devine, I'm, I'm, I am anxiously waiting for the uh, release uh, and see what uh, Elon Musk is going to do. And I'm anxiously waiting uh, for your report. And, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks so much, John. Thank, thank you so much. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have Ryan Payne uh, to talk about the markets.
because the markets, the interest rates, all of a sudden, uh, Jay Powell blinked and the rotten mom and, and the uh, interest rates are coming down. Let's take that break. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ryan Payne, good to talk to you today. It's Friday. What do we usually say on Friday? Thank God it's Friday. <laughs> and uh, the markets, they don't know if they're going down. They don't know if they're coming up. You tell us what's going on. Well, I think they're they're going up. I mean, this week we had a 1% move up on the S&P 500. We had a huge day uh, the middle of the week when Jay Powell finally, John, as you and I, Every week we say he's got to do it eventually. He's finally pivoted. Um, he, he finally said that they're going to raise interest rates at a slower pace come December, uh, which is really just the beginning of the end, in my opinion, of what we would call hawkish monetary policy from the Fed. Well, they're busy destroying the real estate market nationwide. Yeah, I mean, you had mortgage rates over 7% at one point. Now, I'm looking at the 30-year today. It's down to close to like 6.5%. So you're starting to see some relief there. Mm. And I think, if anything, you probably put the real estate market on. Hold, and, and the right? 10 years down to three and a half, like the close, I think. Yeah, from 4.2%. So that's a lot of easing. I um, think it was as high as 4.5 or something at one point. It, it was up there. It was up there, somewhere around there. So that's a big, big drop in a very short period of time. But I think it's what the market's telling you is finally we're going to start to see rates cool off. Inflation, like you and I have been saying, it's going to start to come down. We're starting to see it here in real time. Um, you're going to start seeing in the numbers as well. And I but think the Saudi the Arabians now. are panicking. That when, they, when oil came down to 76 a few days ago, all of a sudden Saudi Arabia got back on and said, we're going to have further cuts. I mean, of course. I and mean, they, they like oil over $80 a barrel. Now, I think the big wild card here, John, you can tell me you know oil market better than I do is China, right? And China still is somewhat in lockdown. They're the biggest consumer of oil in the world. So the bigger question is, when their oil comes back online in the U.S., are we going to get our energy policy back into shape? I don't know. I don't think anybody knows that. There's, there's a lot of things uh, just... Uh... When they come back online, the, the price of oil is going to go over $100. Right. They have a lot, they're in lockdown right now. Most of the country's in lockdown, and they're not driving cars. Wow. I, so who would have thought? Like, I didn't even, this is the first time I'm hearing this. Why does nobody else, Ryan Payne and Ernie Priot, by the way, and Rudy Washington in studio and Craig Eaton, and of course, John Katzmatidis, why doesn't anyone else talk about it like that? Instead, President Biden makes it seem like he, he, he did something amazing. He's like, I got the price down. And meanwhile, it has to do with China's lockdown. President Biden says that. What would, what would Trump's reaction would be? They're full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Donald. Yeah. It, it, it wouldn't be very subtle. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> it was President Trump. But, Ryan, this is Craig Eaton. I do a lot of real estate and transactional work in New York and New Jersey. And I, I, I got a, a note today that the rates are coming down, but the market is sideways right now. There's nothing happening. There's no, no buyers. Everyone in New York and Brooklyn and Staten Island are looking to get out and move to North Carolina, South Carolina, and Florida. But it has affected the market, and this affects all these industries, the mortgage industry, the title industry, the legal industry. So I think the furniture that the, industry, the carpet the Fed, industry, everything, the every industry, industry re- revolves around Thanks. the real estate, yeah. the transactional real estate market. And, and I think the Fed lost sight of this fact when they kept raising the rates, keep raising the rates. 
Well, it's a great point because real estate doesn't show up in the numbers for a month later, right? So you get a lag there. So we already know rents are coming down. We already know that the real estate market's plummeting, but that's not showing up in the inflation numbers because they're backwards looking. And I think that's been our big argument. You know, John and I have talked about this a lot on Fox Business, is, you know, the Fed's got to look to the future, not to the past. You can't be a historian here. And that's really where the big mistake has been because it has a detrimental effect. It just doesn't show up in the numbers for quite a while longer, and it still won't, right? We're still going to see higher inflation than probably what's really out there in real time uh, because it's just not going to show up in the numbers for a couple more months. But when it does, you're going to see inflation plummet because real estate's such a large uh, component of that number. And I think, to your point, a lot of damage has already been done. But ideally here, the Fed is going to start to remedy their mistake, and you're starting to see rates come down, and that should you know, be a nice let's say resurgence for the real estate market. That would be great. That would be great. But the problem with that is. Right now, real estate is at a standstill. Why would anybody build, you know, my construction loan, they want want me to pay 8% for it. John, the problem is is that the banks are getting tight on looking at your credit. So I don't care if the the rates come down to 6 or 5%, but the banks are still going to be saying, no, you've got to put in so much more for down payment. You've got to come up with, uh, uh, we've got to check out your income. We want to do an investigation of your background. And so that scares away the guy, even if it's 6%, he says, I'm not going to go through that. Yeah, I'm not going to Look, get blood. That, that's right. That's right. Well, thank you, uh, Ryan Payne. Anything, we have 30 seconds left. Anything you want to say? Look, the economy's in great shape. I say it every week. Don't listen to those economists and strategists. They've been dead wrong. They're, they're, they're reading said. Samuelson's book. That's the one when I went to NYU 50 years ago, and they don't know how to look in the, they don't look know how to act in 2022. It blows my mind. You, you look at the holidays; they're going to be great. Consumers are spending, wages are going up, the labor market's tight. We're not going into recession. You hear, hear you heard it here first. Have a great Friday. Thank you. Have a great and, Friday. Uh, Have a great weekend. Let's take a break, and we're going to come back with some breaking news from Dr. Mihalos. Cats at night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Breaking news, WABC. Well, and that breaking news regarding a cancer vaccine that melts three terminally ill patients' tumors. So there's a vaccine, three people, they were basically given death sentences. They took this vaccine, and now they are still alive. I mean, this is incredible news. Dr. Mikolos, our resident medical genius on the line with us right now, tell us how this actually could be possible. Well, it's some very exciting news uh, coming right out of here in the New York area. Doctors at the Mount Sinai Tisch Cancer Center uh, developed a vaccine that is used on external vaccines, and it's injected directly into the tumor. And what they do is the vaccine the vaccine is used on tumors that are not inside the body, but that are actually showing up on the skin. For example, one patient had this particular chest tumor, so they give it a little radiation to shrink it. They inject these vaccines directly into it, and it basically turns on these things called professor cells. Why do they call them professor cells? Because they teach the T cells, which are the cancer killer cells, to go after and basically eat up these tumors. So seeing this early success with these tumors is very exciting. And uh, the tumor shrank, and people are going into remission. And another exciting thing that's come out of the COVID crisis is that Merck and Moderna have uh, joined together to create a a vaccine against melanoma, where when they do your biopsy, you get diagnosed with melanoma. And there are certain proteins on the surface of the melanoma cells, and they're customizing a vaccine to go after and kill that particular uh, cell, because cancer cells basically trick the immune system into thinking it's not a threat, and they form like a cloaking device around them. 
So if you can take these specific little proteins that are these abnormal ones and make custom vaccines against them, you'll be able to penetrate another exciting study is happening up right up at Columbia University in the cancer department with a vaccine called Alvax CA vaccine, and it attacks the proteins on the surface of colon cancer cells. One of the markers when you do a blood test called the CEA blood test, and that shows you when you have cancer and that cancer of the colon. And that CEA, now they have a vaccine to go against that and attack it because we have 147,000 cases of colon cancer, new cases in the United States with 57,000 deaths. So now having it uh, in the cancer treatment as a multi-prong approach between all these different modalities, of course, surgery, you know, if you have a tumor and it's isolated and has metastasized, the best treatment, of course, is to remove it and get rid of it. But if you can't or if you have metastases, I think in the future we're going to be seeing some exciting uh, things happening with custom-made uh, cancer vaccines. And the good thing is the mRNA technology allows you to make vaccines at a very rapid rate. So it's going to be like one of those things where you go in, you'll get your surgery, they'll remove the tumor, then they'll save it, they'll have the markets. So or in the future, if you did have a problem or you did get a metastasis, they'll be able to custom make a vaccine and just give it to you and tell your immune system, go after that specific uh, protein on the surface of that kill and destroy it. It's almost like a, a heat-seeking missile, and it'll go after just the cancer cell and leave the uh, normal cells alone so you don't get all the side effects of chemotherapy. So it's exciting news. And by the way, uh, Dr. Mihalos, uh, we got a... Uh, a, a text back from Mario Konomo, our, our, our uh, correspondent in Europe, that uh, Soros, the name, it was the New World Order that was talked about at the G20 where Soros was pushing, I understand, pushing China to be the head of NWO, the New World Order. In other words, they want people loyal to the United States of America, and the free world, and then they want people loyal to the new world order. And Soros is on their side, I guess. Mm. Well, we need to generate more diplomats, and we need to send uh, diplomats and not bombs and try to get peace and get along with each other because the world is a dangerous place, and uh, people don't understand how serious nuclear threat is and nuclear war and how damaged it will be. And we need to you know, work on getting along, and we need to start sending uh, and training diplomats uh, abroad, instead of sending more bombs and uh, escalating wars, we need to just try to uh, get along and some more peace, love, and happiness in the world, so we can all get along while we visit the planet. And doc- uh, Dr. Mikolos, a quick question: Tylenol, children's Tylenol. I'm a mom. You ca- you can't. It's like hard to find. You can't even order it now off of Amazon. You can't order it to de- be delivered or to Target. Actually, Amazon, if you order, it's twenty bucks a bottle now. Did you know that? Yeah. Children's well, Tylenol. It is, it is back door, and that's why I have some patients who make trips to Montreal, Canada once a year or Mexico once a year, and they buy all their meds abroad because it's an eighth of the price, and you can still uh, find some of Scary. these things. But we're So if it's eight, an eighth of a price, that means uh, that to translate to normal Americans, if it's $8 here, it's $1 there? It's because of the supply chain. We got to start making our chemicals here. We cannot depend on any foreign country to make our antibiotics, our blood pressure medicines, and things like Tamiflu. Where we're having these shortages. We have to finally create a warp speed project so that we have supply chains that come right out of good old USA. We and agree. I know people, we're out of time. 
Thank you, Dr. Michalos. Thank you very much. And thank you, uh, uh, former Attorney General Ernie Priot. Thank you. And, and Deputy Mayor uh, uh, Rudy Washington, related to George. He wanted to and say Craig George Washington. Eaton. That's why. Craig Eaton, thank you. <laughs> thank you, John. And Lydia, you're going to have a great weekend. Yeah, we're going to have fun tonight, too. Uh, yes. And Celebrating Margo's birthday. Margo's birthday. And uh, Tunnel 29. Sakawa. Tunnels to Tower I Foundation. I thought she was 39. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and what do we stand for on this uh, show and on Truth. this network? Truth. Truth. Justice. Truth. Justice. Justice. Justice in the American, American way. way. God bless God America. Bless Thank you so much. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.